I'm gonna just ah. ah, there we go. Okay, A fine way to start the podcast. So cue the shitty, shitty music. Okay, the the timer starts tomorrow at 5 p.m. Okay. What? All right, that's fine. Because I I will not check the mail until I won't be able to start the book or check the mail until after work tomorrow. Okay. So this this works because then by July 4th you would have finished. Holy shit! I have to have it done mark. by July 4th. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fourth wow, of July. That that's perfect to remember. Oh Jesus! This is a lot of book to read that I don't want to read. <laughs> This is great. Again, you get a okay. weekend to start. Small child story. Okay, so next week is the official... So logistically, next week I should be halfway through the book, right? Yeah. Okay, next week is the official start or a start of... What are we calling this segment? Andrew's Harry Potter review session? Andrew we gives Hayden and Jeff alcohol segment. Okay, we'll, fi- we'll come up with a better name. We, I really want to <laughs> get... Not that we have enough listeners to really get this going, but I really want to get like a poll going. Like, uh, what people really think is going to happen here. I know your sister does not think you're going to be able to do it. Courtney thinks <laughs> you're going to be able to do it. She doesn't think I can finish the book in two weeks. She thinks you're going to hate it so much that you're going to stop reading it. That... <laughs> she knows me so much. She knows you really well. Yep, I think that's exactly right. So. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, that's not unfair. That's not unfair. I would, I could, I honestly, I was really worried about this bet, and honestly, I should have. The stakes, like, if this was a Vegas bet, if if, if fini- finishing the book would be plus a thousand, mm-hmm. like you would be crazy in the money, and you'd be like way betting out of your leagues to be betting <laughs> that I will finish the book in two solid weeks. It lines it, up really well with the podcast because we're gonna have a midway checkpoint and then like a day before the due date checkpoint. Yes, and that's good. The day before the due date is honestly the most horrifying part. Oh yeah, that's gonna be if I'm like day. if I'm like 180 pages away. <laughs> It's not gonna happen. <laughs> I don't know how many. How many? We've said this a million times. How many pages is book one? Do we remember? Does anyone it's, remember? Off the top it's their head? like three twenty. Three twenty. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I said it's like thirty pages a day. Yeah. If I did it five days a week. Yeah, that's looking pretty intimidating, boys. Hayden, what do you think it's, of this? It, what are what are, what's how, how likely do you think Andrew is to do it? Um, I mean, I don't doubt he could. I I have full trust that andrew could read a book in like three days honestly if he was really like reading hard you're making it do sound I, like do I'm i think sort he of will illiterate. do i think he will <laughs> no i don't i i, I think he'll get 60 percent. i think he'll get 60 percent. i think they give it an honest man's work and really fall through at the very end should we uh should we do a page count over under for yes. halfway through because i because kind of through, okay so it's 320 pages right yes so realistically by halfway point i should be 160 pages in right so this time next week i should be over 160 plus pages in i'll take the over on that one i think you'll you'll, you'll take do the well over on the week. first week yeah wow. and then drop the ball drop the ball at the finish line oh wow hey you do not yeah <laughs> i'm way on the other side of that one i'm i i uh, doubt you'll be a fourth of the way through the book like, on it no- if I was betting, I, like if I was betting on myself, and I'm a betting man, I would say I'm like 60 pages this time next week, and then I'm like, oh fuck, and then yes. I just burn it out like one night if I actually do it. I, I gotta wouldn't. say, my I think my sister's right. I'll probably just get so pissed off at the book at like you know 
50 to 60 percent through i'm just like fuck it i'll just buy the bottles of Fernet. Mm. <laughs> but it kind of ruined the segment because we're supposed to do weekly updates on how far i'm in the book this first book really the gambling got ahead of me way ahead of me i always it, forget how short two weeks is when it comes to me reading books i think andrew uh you forget this can go on there's a whole series we could still do a week no i I know. And I have a feeling that the gambling will continue through the series. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> I like betting on stupid things so much. You know what? You know, the thing is, like, I don't want to cheat, but part no, of me knows cheat. that if, if a chapter is really slow, I'm just going to, like, flip through the pages real quick, be like, what the hell is happening? Okay, read the last word, read the last sentence of every paragraph. I got it. You know, that's the thing. You could totally just <laughs> spark notes this. You could easily cheat this bet, but I, I, I will. I promise on my good name, my good gambling name, I will not cheat. At least I for the first book. I really want to bring Allie in after you finish the first book to quiz you on it, so we can like really <laughs> oh, check and see. Not, not only did you read that. it, but did you comprehend <laughs> it? Yeah, you're, you're. Uh, uh, I remember you in AP Lit. You were all about that, Andrew. You gotta oh, yeah. you know, well, do an analysis of this book. Dude, okay, let me tell you a story about AP Lit. I, you know, like like I said, I, I often, in my entire life, entire academic life, career, I always end up having last-minute frenzies to get shit done. I, I'm just a serial procrastinator, like, to the degree of self-harm. It's awful. I put myself in the worst situations all the time, totally avoidable, totally all my fault. I will say, every single book I read for AP Lit I remember I pulled multiple 24-hour reading sessions where I would get home from school and read all through the night just to get the book done. Because our AP Lit teacher, he he would read the Spark Notes and be like, I'm going to ask questions that weren't in the Spark Notes. Oh, man. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, he was he was good. He was smart. Because then you knew we knew we had to read it. But one last thing, the most dangerous thing I've ever done in a car is I was so behind on a book, I was I would read while I was driving. Oh my god, are you yeah. serious? So what I would do is I would have both I would have both of the pages like you know both sides of the book in my hands and then I would grip the steering wheel through the book and just read the book, look at traffic, read the book, look at traffic. It was horrifying. But I was so behind anytime I was going somewhere I had to keep reading the book. I can't believe this is real. Yeah, yeah I, it was I, real. And you you know who I got it from? You know who taught me that technique? My mother. Because oh she told gosh. me when she was a graduate student that she had to read her textbooks and didn't have enough time like between classes and everything else going on in her life that she had to read the textbooks while she was on the highway on her way home and to school. And so I was that's, like, that's fucking genius. I'll do that. And I did. I didn't get in an accident. Nothing bad happened. That's such a funny thought now because nowadays you would just get the audiobook and it'd be so easy. You would just listen to the mm -hmm. audiobook, no problem. But yep. <laughs> reading while driving, that's uh, Audible I can't imagine that was very we efficient. No, no, Podcasts they definitely were weren't. We were in high no, audio, I'm Either. sure there wasn't an audiobook for like the classic literature they were reading. Like, no, yeah, definitely no, we not. We were reading like Heart of Darkness and shit yeah. like that. So the first audiobook I ever got on Audible was Heart of Darkness. Oh, nice. really? <laughs> nice. It's, a it's not a great read. audiobook. <laughs> it's not a great. It's not a great book. I don't. It, I know people like it's a classic. It's so good. I'm like, uh, what book are these people reading? You want to know what, for people who have read Heart of Darkness and people who haven't, let me explain, and people who've read Heart of Darkness will be like, yep, that's exactly right. I forgot the author's name, and I'm going to sound like an illiterate shit for that, but it was, a, it was a Russian author, I think, Eastern European author, and no joke, there would be pages, pages of no paragraph breaks and sometimes no sentence breaks. 
<laughs> it, I remember reading an entire page that was a run-on sentence. It was insane. So there's no break for your brain to comprehend. You know, you, you read a paragraph, your brain naturally pauses, right? There's no natural pausing going on, so you can't retain shit. It's that makes the a worst lot of sense. book to read. I don't know how they would do the audiobook, honestly. It was true to form. I, I think it was just like that. They just never took a break. They're just I'm going to keep talking at the same monotone <laughs> about these horrible things. Yeah, you don't get a choice. And then I remember after we all, that was another section of that of AP Lit that we all failed. I remember our teacher, he walked us through the book and I'm like, yeah, this is an awesome story when you hold my hand and speak in normal English to me. <laughs> like super cool story, super cool themes. But I'm sorry, if I can't pick that up, it's not a good book, you know? I guess I was a high school student. Maybe as an adult, it would be better. When did you listen to Heart of Darkness? Ah. Uh probably early college or something like that. It was it was when audiobooks first came out. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to better myself. I'm going <laughs> to really dig deep in literature and and tackle the classics. And then immediately after that, I was like, sci-fi, space lasers, pew pew. Yeah, good call. Good call. I don't rec I would never recommend Hard Darkness to anyone. Honestly. It's one of those Jeff, books would I'm you like would you endorse Brothers K as an audiobook? Huh. I think no just because the names would be twice as impossible to follow so for people that don't know about the brothers karamazov and about russian names like the name of the main character is alyosha but he also goes by mitka and mitya and apparently that's just like a common russian thing to do and you there's like a name translator at the beginning of the book that's really important because holy shit it's hard to follow and in an audiobook you would just like you would lose it there'd be no shot at it so so no i would like not russian recommend literature? it I really like Fyodor Dostoevsky. I like some Tolstoy. Yeah, I like Russian Interesting. literature. Yeah. Interesting. I've I've read a few pieces of Russian literature, not by choice, but for academic purposes. And every time I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What <laughs> did you... Everybody should read Brothers Karamazov. It is the greatest book ever written. It is so good. And it's so timeless. It... And it's it's amazing. But anyway. You know, sometime sometime we should get my... I, we, I, we've talked about before with... Uh, um uh, sam harris my call my mba colleague al we yeah. should probably get him on the podcast at some point he loves podcasts ultra opinionated political motherfucker love him to death and he lo he would love to be on but he loves russian literature oh fuck yeah i, I remember one time oh, no i was at his apartment and his daughter was asleep and he was like come over and let's play let's play super smash bros because i haven't got to do that in a long time i want to hang out with you and you know one-on-one -on -one smash for a few hours so i was like great let's do it the whole time we're playing Super Smash Bros, he's just talking to me about Russian literature. And I'm like, Al, I have no clue what you're talking about, dude. He's like, they're these amazing, but he just, he just recently got into Russian literature. He's just so, he had so much to say about it. So maybe we'll have him on and you, you Jeff, and uh, Al can just have a little circle jerk about how great Russian literature is. <laughs> I'd be so stoked about that. Al, every time I hear more about Al, I've met Al and I already really like him, but the more I learned about him, the more more I love him. I know, he's a great guy. I really like Al too. But have you heard of the, have you guys heard of the uh, anime? It's called Initial D. Nope. It's okay. Nope. First of all, it's sick. If you're in, it's sweet for car guys. It's like the ultimate car guy anime because it's an anime all about these dudes in Japan who like drifts their cars on this really famous uh mountain pass in japan and it is sweet i even if you're not a car person watch initial d because it is fun as shit it's a fun anime 
I love the not... idea where an anime can do anything. They can literally take it in any direction, and they're like, you know what's the most outrageous? Drifting cars. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. And so they, there's just a bunch about a bunch of like high school. Of course, it's always about high school students. It's about a bunch of high school students who drift cars and have silly cars. And Initial D made uh, it actually influenced the value of the t- Toyota AE86, which is like a legendary toyota corolla now like people go absolutely apeshit for the ae86 they're awesome cars but the value for them has like just skyrocketed a little bit thanks to initial d they're rare in the united states but not the point so anyway initial d sweet sweet uh sweet anime there was a manga that came out manga manga how do you say that by the way is it manga I think or you manga? can literally say it either way i think it's accepted both directions Okay, Magma. so there's a silly backwards book <laughs> with pictures in it. Uh, it making fun of Initial D. You know those circle jerk subreddits we were talking about? Yeah. Okay, so it's like the circle jerk version of Initial D, and it's about trains. <laughs> and it is so fucking funny. This but is the, this... the dual train track drift. Yes, where... the dual yeah. train track drifts. Every time I think about trains on one track, it's the best thing I have ever seen. Jeff, have you seen this? It's worth sending to you right now. Just so I have no it. idea what that is. Yeah, it's like where there's like two terrible options and they're like, which one are you going to hit? The family or the pregnant mother? And then they're like drift so they the train hits both of them at the same time. <laughs> oh, it's oh called gosh. multi-track drifting. <laughs> <laughs> multi-track drifting and the guy's all sweaty. Oh God, it's beautiful. It's funny to me every time. I fucking love it. All right, that's all I got. All Moving right. on. What's up next, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, what's yeah up? I mean, this back. is kind of what, what Andrew's been... Uh, <laughs> bring it back. There's no bringing it back. Good stuff. Wow, it's been yeah. just so We're good trash. to start. We're good yeah. to start. Well, Hayden, why don't you start us off? What you've uh, what you been consuming, my friend? So I've been consuming almost exclusively uh, hardcore history content again. I, I'm deep in it. Oh, I got a better point. Uh, I've been listening to Spotify... Family Zone. This oh, is what yeah. I wanted to bring. So, Andrew, you need to get on this right now. If if you haven't yet, open your Spotify and right. Google search on the Spotify Family <laughs> Plan playlist. Family playlist. Flam, family Plan? Mm. Family Plan. So we're all on the same Spotify Family Plan, obviously, because we're all blood relatives who live in the same household. Obviously. As per the Spotify uh, conditions that we signed for. So you need to subscribe to it. This is a thing that's new, and I don't know why the UI isn't on the desktop version, but on your all right, phone. I added it to my library. So it plays your music and mixes it with all of ours, and you can turn on and off people. So if you don't Only like Jeff's mix, phone, but though. you want to hear mine and Nikki's and Carl's, you can turn off Jeff and leave the others on, or vice versa. And then you can pick like moods, so you can be like upbeat or low key or a bunch of others. Oh, this is sweet. You guys I think are it's hate my edition. Oh, oh I man. can't wait for your edition. I think That's... it's in beta mode. I think they're really working out the kinks still because there seems to be a lot of kinks. This, I mean, this fucker is all over the place. Holy shit. <laughs> Everyone's going to take my music out of it. I listen to really stupid shit, but I listen to it's called Jazz Vibes. <laughs> That's, my, That's my work playlist. So the best part about this is you can look on the the UI on your phone. You can see on each song who you matched with to uh, bring that song on the playlist. So it could be like, you're in Jeff's song, or it could be like a Hayden Nicky song, 
or a Carl Jeff Andrews song. I think they're working out the kinks, but I'm really into this new thing. I want it to work super well. And if you go to the the topics, what you can do is you can filter by uh, not just upbeat or low key. You can filter by different genres. So it's got like pop rock, hard rock, dance pop, filter house. How is that even a genre? Uh, you know, it's all Jeff and I both theory. listen to post grunge. That's interesting. And New Jersey great, indie. Okay, that's just fuck you guys. That's all I can say about that. Prepare. All I can say is prepare to have really ignorant rap music somehow make the playlist. Oh man, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> These genre listen- names are so funny. Hey, uh, Jeff, did you know you're the only one of our family group to Christian rock? Where is Christian what? rock? I see piano I see- rock. See it on mine. Mine doesn't well, have that. It's lying to you. What Christian rock band would I have listened to? Mine says that Hayden, it. it says that Carl has listened to Vapor Twitch, that that's a genre <laughs> that he's into. <laughs> what the fuck is Vapor Twitch? I'm the only one who listens to video game music, apparently. Anyways, that's Vapor. what I've been listening to. I've been so excited about this. I want everyone to get on it. So do I have to physically add music or will just automatically add music to it? It automatically add music. And oh, wow. You can't okay. actually download this playlist because it's dependent on what you select, I guess. There's no download option. It gave me the download option on my computer. What? There's yeah. a very important button. If you don't e- enable it explicitly, it does not include explicit songs. Wow. Oh, Everyone enable that. Included in your which, explicit tracks. There you go. Which changed up my playlist 100%. It did on mine as well. Yeah. And all these songs but, I've added are songs I really like. Huh. And you Hold can on. go to manage members and turn Wait. people on and off. This is all Well, that's a good cut. one. This is good information, dude. Yeah, I'm excited I'm to give it. that uh, the, the old college try. Also, I'm glad you got Courtney on this mix, Jeff. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of Taylor Swift. That's all I know that she listens to is Taylor Swift. But Her that and might Nikki, be... apparently. Yeah. <laughs> that might be the thing we all have in common. Them still. You know Not what? Andrew. That's a good point. I also listen to a bit of Taylor Swift. There it is. Not Andrew. I think Taylor Swift is a scam. Whoa, Andrew, we don't need to alienate that. 90% of the U.S. population. Let's hold hey, back our I, Taylor Swift reviews. It's good for us to disagree on things, Jeff. That's all I'm saying. It's good for right. us to disagree. We can't always right. circle jerk each other about the same shit all the time. I, I, it's probably great because Andrew's just the villain of the podcast and everybody likes a good villain story. Ah, and we've already oh we've defeated villain. the villain one time bringing Allie on. And now he's reading Harry Potter. That was a victory, apparently. I don't know how I wasn't also a villain, but we don't want to talk about that. So that's got to be it. <laughs> I think I was the loudest Because you don't have a beard, Jeff. You need a beard to be a villain. Ah, uh, this makes sense. He's got a beard. He's got a goatee going. Yep, that makes sense. Anyway, all right. All right Hayden, good, good stuff. Good stuff. Andrew, what you what you been uh, what you been entertaining yourself with? It's been a rough week for for listening for me. So I'm back in the office. I've been in the office all week. And it's really hard for me to do the current work I'm doing and listen to music or listen to podcasts, specifically, specifically, specifically podcasts, because Atlantically, Atlantically podcasts, because I am doing a lot of qualitative work where I have to really articulate myself well. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing, for example, I was writing like it was nominations for tech awards for our company. And I can't just be spewing out garbage. (laughs) You know, I can't be listening to a podcast and accidentally have a Freudian slip and be actually like have a response to this podcast slip into our nomination. So stuff like that. I've been working on a lot of marketing, like a lot of marketing literature that needs to be very poignant 
And so I can't even listen to music really because my brain just takes a shit on itself and won't let me be super poignant in my literature. I can, I've, what I've been listening to is at one point when I first came to the office, I was one of four people in this massive office. It was sweet. I had my own corner by myself. And so I would play, not in headphones, I'd play out loud music. And I had on reggae, really silent. So I couldn't really hear the words, but I could hear the beat. I really like reggae beats. Like reggae beats are sweet. So that's all I really cared about. I just wanted cool beats in the background. So I had that going. Uh, and then also, I, like I was saying earlier, I listened to jazz vibes on Spotify. <laughs> very, very chill, like uh, study or work music. It's very much like the... God, what's it called on YouTube? It's like the most iconic YouTube anime character, that girl with her book and kitty. Lo-fi studying. chill. Lo-fi chill study. <laughs> yes, it's very close to that, but a little more jazzy, a little spicy jazz mix in there. Uh, so I have that on. And I, it's been a rough week for podcasts. I had to really cram in this podcast that we were listening to this week. It was weird because I got home from work uh this week and i either streamed or was just not in the mood to listen to something um so it was a little rough for listening this week i didn't even like consume that much media or streams or anything i will tell you i was going to talk about this last week i can't remember if i did or not i started watching avatar the last airbender again oh yeah Woo! you talked about this two weeks ago i love oh, it two weeks ago oh man i'm still just i'm still in and i'm still loving it god that show is good i won't go any further but that show is wah, wah, wah. Quality television. Really quality television. I don't know if it's nostalgia, but I'm sure a piece of it's nostalgia, but it's good. It's good shit. Well-developed television. Yeah, I think people so generally it, agree that that's just, like, an amazing show, and it's 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 coming back thanks to Netflix. I'm I'm pretty excited to start it up once I've finished my uh, current TV show. Yes, you should. It was, it was a really, really awesome time. It's been... Well, I haven't finished yet. It's been a really awesome show to keep watching. I, I guess I'm officially halfway through. Because I'm at season two, episode uh, ten, and there's question from episodes. the audience: Is this yes. like through the Airbender story, or do they go into the the new one? Like the oh, yeah. so the, I don't like one. I don't know anything about the new one. I don't know anything about the new. One. I know it's a whole new story though, and I heard it got really bad reviews when it first came out because everyone wanted it to be the continuation of the last airbender and it's just not it's a whole new story whole new avatar i guess i I don't again i don't know anything about it. my understanding is a whole new avatar the whole new adventure so but i heard it's really good if you look at it as its own story you can't throw our favorite gang of misfits into this one because they're just not there it's just so anyway it's just yeah it, they're independent stories but i would say that avatar the last airbender is Super caliente. You want to talk about good world building? Holy shit, the world building. Yeah. Caliente. So put together. I wish J.K. Rowling would have watched Avatar The Last Airbender. (laughs) (laughs) It all loops back. (laughs) So anyway, Jeff, tell me, tell us about what you're watching or listening to or consuming. Oh, man. It's been a lot of uh, nerd poker in the D&D podcast. They, uh... I just got to an episode where they went live and uh, people were roasting them about being murder hobos. So they've realized <laughs> how uh, murder hobo-y they've been and they're they're dialing it back, which is good. They, it, it was funny to hear them like self-realize how they've just killed everybody that they've come upon. So, so that, that's been pretty oh, solid. Yeah, we, we, 
we did kill him like right away yeah and <laughs> like there's one part i was like yeah you guys killed the gardener he's like oh that was a gardener i thought he was like i don't know like some evil guy's like no he was just the gardener man <laughs> it's just so funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah that's some pretty solid um for the first time ever i i listened to an episode of the joe rogan podcast and it had bill burr on it which i andrew i know you're a big bill burr fan yeah and, i like uh, bill burr yep he was really solid on it, so that was that was the first time we can talk about that later. Uh, is yeah. it wrong that I don't want to listen to the Joe Rogan podcast because it's so popular? No, I mean that's that's what I was going to talk. We could talk about it right now if you want, but well, I, yeah, this is the perfect segue. What do you want to talk? You you so to preface, you told Hayden and I come in ready to talk about the Joe Rogan podcast, which threw us both off. We were like, what are what, are we listening to that instead? Like, I specifically called this a different podcast podcast. <laughs> And yeah. now just, just switching it up last last minute. <laughs> just blasting well, a tangent at us before we even start recording. So okay, what what made you want to talk about it so bad? What happened? Well, so so I'd never listened to Joe Rogan podcast, even though we're a podcast talking about podcasts, and I think it is literally the most popular podcast out there. But yes. I you know, and I almost feel bad about this. We talk about how like anime gets a bad association and whatnot. I think Joe Rogan probably has a very similar thing where when I think of Joe Rogan, I immediately think of like meatheads because that's kind of how I imagine the people who listen to Joe Rogan podcasts is like bodybuilders and like people that wanted to be boxers. I don't know. Um, and I, <laughs> okay, so to, to be fair, Jeff, much like anime, that demographic exists. <laughs> it doesn't. It's exist. just, it's just not everyone. Yeah, that is certainly a piece of his demographic, and it's yeah. definitely a bunch of people who think they're going to be USC fighters but have no chance in hell. <laughs> so yes, yeah, and, yeah. Is that what their description is on iTunes? It should be for people who <laughs> want to be USC fighters. It it could yes, be. yeah, it could and, be. And so I'd only really seen the Joe Rogan podcast mentioned a lot on Reddit because Joe Rogan says a lot of like really stupid shit, and then people talk about it on Reddit. And uh, it got brought up because there was a YouTube clip that got posted about Bill Burr being on the Joe Rogan podcast, like actually calling Joe Rogan out on like just like the ridiculous things he was saying. Like he was really paranoid about the COVID situation when it started. And then he started calling people that wore masks in public pussies. And Bill Burr came on the podcast and he just like <laughs> was calling him out on it because it's the dumbest thing ever. Like you're calling people that are trying to protect other people pussies on it and it was just this whole thing so i ended up listening to the whole episode which is i think two and a half hour episode of a his podcast. episodes are long they're, they're really so long long anyway i at the end of it i learned that i i think i kind of hate joe rogan he flip-flopped on himself like 10 times in the episode which was just kind of weird to me but i i really like bill burr and I, I really like his comedy i tried to listen to his podcast once and i couldn't get into it but i this is a huge tangent of what I wanted to ask you guys about. I wanted to make sure that my associations with the Joe Rogan podcast are also the associations that you guys know with the Joe Rogan podcast, where it's just kind of like a lot of meatheads listen to it, and I don't know. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I will yeah. say I've listened to a few episodes when I was first getting into podcasting. He's like immediately recommended as the first podcast you see on every single podcast app, yeah. no matter what. He's absolutely the most listened to podcaster on the planet he in a way defined podcasting in a different way and now he has an exclusive deal with spotify and i think he cashed out a crazy amount of money i think like i think it's close to nine figures type of money to be exclusively on spotify like it's yeah. crazy money how much money he got offered to only be on spotify 
So that says a lot about his popularity, and I don't think all of his listeners are meatheads. And again, I think honestly, no, I, think I don't think you, all of them are. I'm just saying that's the association no, that I. Yeah, I, and I totally get that. And I, when you said that, I remembered an episode I listened to, and I won't. I the episodes I listened to were because someone said to me like, "God, this episode Joe is just talking about crazy fucking shit. It's like insane." <laughs> He has a crazy guest. They're just being crazy together. And I love hearing crazy people be crazy. Yeah. Something I can get into. So I was like, all right, let's do a few episodes. One of the episodes I listened to, his lead sponsor was a kettlebell company. (laughs) 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 It was so fucking funny. And uh, okay, so he was doing the ad read. Um, This was a long time ago. So forgive me if someone who's listening is like, oh, I remember that. This is exactly how it went injured. You're fucking lying. Fuck off. I don't remember exactly. But this is pretty much how I remember it going. Joe Rogan was talking about all the different kettlebell sizes you can order from this company because they're like mail to order kettlebells with kettlebell workouts and like a whole workout plan around kettle. I guess kettle you can do a lot of shit with kettlebells. I mean, it's a weight with a handle. Of course, you can do a shitload of stuff with kettlebells. Anyway, he was talking about how I forgot what they were named, but the kettlebells like each weight class, they didn't have like, oh, they have a five pound, a 10 pound, all the way up to 100 pound. It was called like. They were like the eagle soaring kettle, the yeti big ball smasher kettle, like all the like. You're like, how much do these weigh? How much do these fucking weigh? I don't understand. As much and as then, an eagle soaring, I don't know what. The- yeah, exactly. And then Joe Rogan was like, "Yeah, I got myself the big cock eagle fighting bear machine gun size, which is the biggest size because I'm fucking yoked." That was his ad read. <laughs> like no, Joe. I was like Joe Rogan. <laughs> What the fuck are you oh, talking shit. about? Like, I, I couldn't even bear to... It was so fucking funny just to hear Joe Rogan. I, he tailors to his audience a little bit. And yeah. to be fair, Joe Rogan's a very talented uh, mixed martial artist. Like, people don't know that. But he's like That's why he does UFC. It's because he's actually talented. He's, like, really good at it. He trained with George St. Pierre. And for people who don't know UFC, George St. Pierre is, like... He's, like, the Wayne Gretzky of, of UFC. He's... A phenomenal fighter who retired he's just incredible but anyway so yes i totally get that stigma and joe rogan reminds me of i forgot what we were talking about but how you just have to kind of walk into it and be like oh it's like you know it's like cracked like is this entertaining but i can't listen to any of this as fact right because sure. joe rogan is working a hundred percent off joe rogan's opinion and i will say it's like entertaining and i think there's a reason he's captured a lot of uh, demographics he does he can talk about anything and he talks about anything with a level of articulation that can appeal to a massive audience, right? He's not too smart about it. He's not Sam Harris. He's not Grandma's Virginity. He's, he's kind of hitting that top of the bell curve of knowledge and, and ex- explanation. And his guests are very interesting. Like he got Elon Musk on. He got like some big boy players. He gets all these comedians because he's Joe Rogan was a comedian for a while. So he gets these cool guests. And to be fair, he does take a licking pretty well like he has people on who like like bill burr who just takes giant dumps on him and i respect joe rogan for bringing people on like we did with ali to take a dump on him and be be like dude you're so fucking wrong so i respect i I respect joe rogan a lot he's made an incredible career for himself uh that being said the podcast isn't my flavor at all and i can't do it all the time if he gets a crazy ass guest i'll do it sometimes sure but they're also long as shit i never get through them I never get yeah. through the whole thing. So long. So explain this to me. How did he become as popular as he is? Was he really the first one? Was he like pre pre serial? Wasn't serial the first mainstream? 
I believe he was pre-serial. I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure he was pre-serial. He adopted the format super early, and I think he was one of the first, was able to kind of jump in and be the first big boy with a podcast. And so he captured a big demographic really quickly. Keep in mind, this is also when his UFC career was launching off. He's you know the, one of the lead commentators for UFC. So he he timed it really well. He got into podcasting at the at you know when there were 40 podcasts. And now there's what? A billion. So he guess just how, his timing was perfect is how I describe his popularity. Guess how many episodes I don't think, this guy has? Oh, I'd say over a thousand of them. He has 1,494 episodes. Yeah. That's what I'm talking. Damn. He's been podcasting since like the early 2010s. Yeah, that which is... is way before podcasting was popular. That is so nuts. He also did Fear Factor. You remember when he was on Fear Factor? Oh, did you yeah. guys watch Fear Factor? Fear Factor oh, was yeah. sweet. I did not know he was on it, but I I did watch it. Yeah, he was the host. Oh, he was the host. Oh my gosh, I never put that together. Yeah, so that's huh. in my mind. That's kind of where he derived his popularity. In. That's my guess. Do you ever notice that like? We talk about a thing, and then the next episode we have, we actually do the podcast of that thing we're talking about. It's like we're we're one off from our our, our preamble to the actual podcast we're talking about. No, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm confused. Like, just because I've edited some of these, we we talked a lot about Quick Question, the podcast before Quick Question. Mm -hmm. Because we knew we were going to do because that's what made us do that as the next podcast it's almost like we should cut this part out and then just slap it into a joe rogan episode <laughs> no i don't want to do a joe rogan episode i, I don't think no? we should do a joe rogan no. episode either i don't want yeah to. okay no 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 but it, the the i would complain i want to listen to episodes a lot of our like others it. have been like that like we should cut yeah. out the first part of one podcast and slap it into the second I no, agree I like with it. you. It's, you could it's have a taken everything we just said, and we could have called this the Joe Rogan episode, and it was like as if we were talking about an episode of Joe Rogan. <laughs> I, see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I feel like we talk about one thing, the podcast before the podcast of the next thing, like yeah. that Harry Potter. We talked about Harry Potter the majority of the podcast before we did the Harry Potter episode. Yeah, I like it. We're fluid. We're a continuous podcast. It's, yeah, it, that's it fun. Work. You know, we follow up on stuff. Yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, it's like Maybe. corners on corners. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll make Joe Rogan another one of those. Uh, our, it's our McDonald's, like, for comparable to Doughboys, it's our like McDonald's. our McDonald's. Yeah. It's the most popular podcast in the world, and we're never going to do it. Yeah, because what's the point? What's the point? What, what, I don't know. What if we got popular someday, and people are like, we want to hear you guys talk about Joe Rogan. Yeah, maybe Maybe then. Maybe we do it then, you know? Yeah. But until then, I don't see a point. I'd rather talk about podcasts that are... You know, not that it's like we have this big audience and we're spotlighting these upcoming podcasts. But I'd rather talk about podcasts where people might be like, oh, that sounds interesting. I want to check that out. Everyone yeah. knows about Joe Rogan. There's no, oh, who's this Joe Rogan guy? If you've opened a podcast app, you've seen his fucking podcast. Yeah. That's Joe Rogan, baby. Well, should we move on to talking about our uh, actual podcast we listen to? <laughs> <laughs> now that we've talked about yes, the Joe Rogan podcast for, who knows, 30 minutes? Yes. Uh, Let's do yeah. it. What the? Let's what the lay heck? in. Freakonomics. Right. Here we go. Freakonomics. I was looking forward to this one. Freakonomics Radio. Discover the hidden side of everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. Each week, Freakonomics Radio tells you things you always thought you knew, but didn't, and things you never thought you wanted to know, but do. From the economics of sleep to how to become great at just about anything, Dubner speaks with Nobel laureates and provocateurs, intellectuals, and entrepreneurs and various other underachievers. The entire archive, going back to 2010, 
is available on the Stitcher Podcast app and at Freakonomics.com. And we listen to episode episode 300. 300. Why don't we all speak the same language, Earth 2.0? So, I love Freakonomics. I'm really glad you picked a Hayden, because I am an economics major, so <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know... I will say the the things how he talks about economics is it's the same to me. I know this isn't like I think this term is pretty popular with psychologists, but it's called pop psychology, where people just talk about really sexy parts of psychology. You know, <laughs> true crime is definitely up that pop psychology where they like sexualize, not literally, but they make like crime sexy. Like, what makes people commit crime? Why is this happening? Let's go interview a bunch of crazy people, you know? So I would describe Freakonomics as pop economics. That's a great way to put it. Like, it's, and, it's fun factoids that make me feel smart, regardless yes. if I really understand the base, like, article that was founding that fun topic. Totally. And I will say Freakonomics isn't, like, as shitty as some of the pop psych articles and people out there. Freakonomics is he, very smart people, very smart dude who runs it. And if you haven't read his book the original freakonomics do it's a fun ass read it's just crazy shit you wouldn't expect like to be able to be solved by economics but it's awesome so i love freakonomics it's really fun it's really intelligent and it keeps it light too it's not too it's not overbearing it's not like sam i, I always talk about sam harris who's on <laughs> <Yeah>. the far <laughs> end of the spectrum for intellectual like capacity you can have a good time listening to Freakonomics pretty casually. And they have cool topics. Some topics are a little more in-depth. But even this topic, pretty big, but very easy to listen to. Very casual, very well edited, um, very interesting. And so I was really excited to do this one. I love Freakonomics. They can cover such a range, too, because they don't always oh my God, talk yes. about the economics. Like, most of this episode wasn't about economics. Well, oh. to be fair, economics is so broad in how it works and how you can discuss economic principles that it kind of was all tied in to a degree. I will agree with you, though. You know, it's not technically traditional economic, like academic academia economics, right? We weren't talking supply and demand, but there are pieces of economic theory latent throughout the entire thing, right? Like global communication is a huge thing in how we understand economics, which is why it's fascinating from an economics perspective, right? Economics is really fascinating because it doesn't just study how, like for example, markets work, but it studies how humans work. How do humans interact with each other? How do humans imperfectly trade and exist and communicate and make the economic systems we know today work? So language is super fascinating with that too, but, it, that's, but that's why this podcast exists. Is because he can do anything and tie it back to economics. Yeah, that's a good point. He he covers so many subjects, and be, it's because he can talk about anything. And it is kind of like it's a benchmark of podcasts. It's so good. It's so well edited. It's the episodes are are short, but like packed with really good information. It's it's kind of the perfect podcast. He's he's a really good host. And I I realized something for the first time that I'd never really thought about, but. He interviews so many people per per podcast. Probably like for this one, don't you think he talked to at least four or five other people? But they only get dispersed into these little sections. And I was kind of curious, like, do you think he interviews these people for one to two hours and then just disperses in these like tiny comments of it? 
Like, it's kind of crazy that he can talk to that many people and still keep a, a 45-minute podcast that's that's that full of stuff. Succinct. Yeah. yeah. Because they're not like small-time people he's getting out the street for interviews. No. They're like high-regarded college professors or Nobel laureates. Yeah, he he probably does interview them for long periods of time. And here's the thing. I don't think he's the one always doing the interviewing. Oh, good point. Uh, because you never hear them doing a back and forth. I wouldn't be surprised if he their team Freakonomics is a team. You know, they're at a point where they have a a, a, a large. It's not a company, uh, you know, like a formal like we have a forty person company. But it's it, the podcast, the the series. They're all their web stuff. It, it, it's more than ten people, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has a bunch of really smart people also going out and talking to all these people. Yeah, because I they don't record agree. them over the internet. They record these people live. Yeah, are they all live? I mean, the audio quality makes me think it's live. And I have a feeling they're not sending... Well, maybe they do. Maybe they just ship out uh, super high-quality audio recording equipment to these people and then interview them online. It's not I've that thought hard, about I that. Guess. If you were running a podcast at that level, like, do you ship everyone a nice mic and that's fully set up, like, just literally turn this on, speak into it, then ship it back to us afterwards? Yeah, I think that honestly might be what it is for some people. It's not that hard to do. And you're talking to very reputable people. It's not like you're sending this to a stranger you don't know. Right? Yeah. So he could probably make that work. Honestly, that's probably what they do. But he's he's not individually talking to these people. I think the team talks to these people. They have people set up with poignant questions, poignant topics, because they know exactly what they want to get out of these people to make the podcast work. And it works great. It does. I, it's awesome people talking about awesome shit. And you'll notice... Some of the people it's clear he's talking to. So I'm not saying he doesn't talk to everyone, but other people it's pretty clear they just grabbed some sound bits out of very precise questions. Yeah. That's, that's a great catch. Fair. I want to listen to that now. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys saw so yeah, I guess a bunch of his episodes got moved just to Stitcher, so we had to go to his website to listen to this one. And underneath All it right. he has a full transcript of the entire episode with hyperlink like to every anytime anybody mentions a study he's got a hyperlink to it he's got like little quote text next to exactly what they said when he said it it's this like really it's not just a transcript it's like a living document of exactly where to go yep. for everything that was said which is really crazy that's got to take a it lot is of time so well done. it's like a it's like a paper it's, uh, it's yeah. insane and this is so classic phd econ- economist He's he's living that life of we're never going to be said we we were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so PhD of him. But that's what I mean. He has a team. You don't do this as an individual. You yeah. just can't. Yeah. Even his book, he wrote it with a co-author. Right. I mean, it's it's a it's a group effort. And actually, I, I, I can't speak too highly. I worked with a lot of uh, since I was a, you know, economics major and i have a i'm getting a graduate degree in business i i've you know i've gotten pretty close with professors at my university and they i i would say economist professors are so collaborative it's crazy every phd is super collaborative you have to work with other people to get published you just have to individual writing can't be done unless you're an incredibly highly regarded name so everyone's very collaborative but i would say economists i don't know what it is about them Maybe it's just their economics brain, but they collaborate so much and they're so good at it and they get the perfect people. I swear it's just insane. Maybe that's just my professors because they've all written some really high quality shit. So anyway, all I'm saying is 
I've never seen an economist who does shit without tons of backing and research <laughs> and stuff. It's just, they're just on point, man. Yeah. They don't like being wrong. Economists hate <laughs> being wrong. <laughs> well, he definitely covers his tracks because everything that anybody says, he's got like a source link to it. It's Oh, and, yeah. And sometimes, not in this episode, but in other episodes, maybe where someone's kind of been unsure of something, he steps in right after they say whatever it is they say and like fills in the details or gives like counter opinions. He's really good at his uh, little interjection. Oh, he's very academic, but yeah. very entertaining at the same yeah. time. Yeah. It's a great hybrid. And the episode was really fun, honestly. I didn't think about a lot of the stuff they talked about. I never thought listening to an economics podcast, like when I first started listening to Freakonomics, that I would enjoy it at all. It sounds like such a dry topic at, at face value, but then it's full of all of these little fun factoids, and I like the way they like research and detail all the information and make these huge inferences that are backed up by the data. Yeah, I think it sounds dry from if you've never listened to an economics podcast, but it ends up being incredibly entertaining for being that. It, it, economics is just great. It's so what, you're fun. an economics major. Like, I know. <laughs> okay. yeah. Economics goes so into... This is the best part about economics. You can explain everything to a degree. I won't... I'm going to put an asterisk there because, again, I'm not like a PhD in economics. I got an undergrad economics. A kid with, like, a brain damage could probably have gotten the same degree I did. Not to discount all the economics majors out there. I'm just saying undergraduate degrees are not that hard to get. I Sorry, undergrads, but it's just not that hard i was a total fuck up and i got an undergraduate but what i'm saying is what's awesome about economics is it's it goes into so much more like i said than just markets it behavioral economics is a huge topic and you can explain shit about the entire world about people's be opinions their behaviors all this shit comes down to economics and we've been doing economics since we were primitive beings as humans it's just part of what we are. It's just like ingrained in our brains is economics. Like the, the, the idea of supply and demand is like so deeply rooted in us. It's crazy. I mean, I, again, love economics, economics major, hugely into this, but it's, it's just phenomenal. The things that we can learn about human behavior, how we interact with the world on an individual level, not even as like a society or as a group just through economic studies it's just phenomenal and that's what i was going to say about this episode is i love this episode because language is such a barrier to how we interact with each other and i thought it was really interesting because i've always it kind of made me rethink some things because i've always been the type of guy to say we should just have one language because language barriers are stupid if we want to be a fully immersive world but then they made me think like am i being an asshole for saying there should be just one language i'm not saying it should be english just because I'm an English speaker. But I do believe that if there was just one language in the world, that's it. I think the world would be a significantly better place just because communication and translation barriers create such a, a, a stiff arm to global interaction. What do, you, do you guys think there should be one language or do you think multiple languages is a good thing? One common language. Sure, have sign languages. That's fine. I think it's cool to speak like a side language that not everyone else speaks. That's that's incredibly valuable in a huge amount of ways, probably culturally too, but like one common language and then friendship side languages. Yeah? Yeah. What's the downside? That you can't talk to everyone. 
I guess one no, no, common one, language. Yeah. I see. It was interesting to hear the arguments about the cultural roots in language and how you kind of uproot those by killing languages and forcing upon everyone one language. Well, implementing th- that might be a different thing than True. The, the, the high arching point. But yeah, like there's the idea of creating a universal language, but then there's the idea of enforcing a universal language where everybody from every country knows this language, which I think is kind of the point they're driving at and whether or not that's a, a good or a bad thing. Because if you do that, then you're going to bury old languages, which I guess was their counterpoint to it. Um, I, I, God, it's such a hard thing because, yeah, just like what you said, you kind of feel like an asshole for saying it, but I, I definitely think there should be a universal language. I, the amount of, uh, I don't know, I, there's the counterpoint of, well, you'll, you'll bury culture and all this stuff, but, you know, they talked about how um, economic, uh, help me out, Andrew, they're, they had a word for it, but like the, amount of economics you would do with your neighbors had more to do with if you spoke a similar language um if you if you're just a person from any country and all of a sudden you speak the same language as everybody else then the opportunity for you to work anywhere else in the world completely opens up where right now it's a huge barrier there's so many people from all over the world who can't get a job in the u.s because their english isn't perfect but if we all had some kind of universal language, and like you're saying, like I, I'm not saying it has to be English, it could be anything. If we all had Definitely that, then you could just go anywhere, and now you can work any job in any place. And uh, there's a word I'm searching for that I can't find, but in a sense, like you're much more transportable. You could be anywhere at any time, and people would be much more open to you. So I, I think it would be worth the trade of languages that are dying out kind of getting their final blow to make everybody in the world feel more comfortable and be more available to just be anywhere yeah and definitely the cost heavily outweigh the 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 negatives on that uh, yeah, yeah that's what, that's what I, I, think. I i see i i've always been on this train of the universal language train opens the world to everyone you no longer are limited by your geographic location and what they speak there you're only limited by your personal ability now that being said there's a ton of consequences with that of course Sure. I recognize those with, you know, impoverished countries and so on and so forth. I, I totally get that. You know, it, it, the thing about this is we're speaking totally in theoretics. The world would have been a much more, I don't know what the right word is, and I don't want to be insensitive here, but I think if, if from the beginning, let's say all humanity, all humans, probably logistically started in the same place, but migrated and developed their own languages. I think that's somewhat proven. But let's say that the first language was immediately established and, and bulletproof, Right. Let's say English was just boom. It was just in the brains of the first uh, humanoid type animals that came out of the sea, right? I think the world would have been a much more collaborative and peaceful place because of the barriers to entry and the barriers to communication that we've had in humanity. I think learning a language has never been easier thanks to technology. But imagine trying to learn Japanese as a uh, an Englishman oh, in God. 1600. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I just imagine the the complication that would take the effort that uh, you would have to so be a scholar of language to do that. And I think the current scholars of language are the biggest disadvocates of a universal language idea because they're like the cultural benefits, the uh, history, the buildup, the everything that we've developed in these languages is so precious in a cultural and historical way. And to get rid of those is almost a crime to humanity right, to have these languages go dead. 
because there's so much ingrained in these languages, how they were developed, how we speak to each other in different languages means, you know, how people of native languages speak to each other is going to be different than how they spoke in any other language, right? We see that anytime you learn a new language, you're like, I, I've been blown away by the things of how you communicate to one another. The meanings of things is so different. So I get this. I get this angle. Uh, but I just think I still, even with that, and I respect the beauty of language and the beauty of different languages. But with that, I still think the collabor- the modern world, it's almost becoming a must to have a universal language because yeah. we're well, so it, connected. We're so isn't communicated. Isn't it a bit inevitable, too? Like, I, yeah, the U.S. currently so. isn't being like, absolutely don't speak Navajo. Like, you can't. We'll, we'll, we'll beat it out of you. They're not doing that, at least anymore. But um, people are still losing the language because like once there's an easy thing that everyone speaks, everyone gloms to. Oh, I got a tangent on this point too. It blew my mind when I figured out that everyone codes in English. I didn't know that. Yeah. When I went to Spain and I met people who spoke only Spanish, maybe rudimentary English, but they were software programmers who coded and the variable, you know, obviously the variable names can change, but the languages are structured in English. And it blew my mind that people who didn't speak English were at least using these structure formats in code that were based on English. Is <laughs> that a bit of a is that a bit of a universal language in a way? Absolutely. Thank you. Coding is it's called a coding language. It's part of language. It is a is a way to communicate and speak to each other. I that's a great example. I didn't know that. I never thought about it to be fair, because I'm not a developer. Like Hayden, you're you've You've done that with your engineering stuff, but Jeff, you're you're a full you're big boy developer stuff. Did you know that? Yeah, it's um it's it's less exciting than it seems at the forefront because yeah, it's 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 all in English, but there's there's only, you know, the more the most important thing about reading a piece of code is the variable names, and you could still write those in any language you want, but the like the symbolic things like if if you know any kind of program at all you probably know like a for loop or something being public or private and it definitely helps. hey i know a for loop actually yeah yeah so it, it definitely helps See, you know that's not a power loop or a, a spanish power loop or a, a japanese i don't know what the word is loop <laughs> but it's not like that makes coding languages really inaccessible to to foreign speakers because to everybody, it's still just a, it's still just a symbol. You could see those letters and know that it means loop. You don't need to know the definition of four to know how to code it. And it should, it's, it's not as, it's not nearly as hard as learning another language to recognize that, you know, there's so many things in programming that are just a symbol, and you just know that symbol four means it's going to be a loop over something. You know, the symbol public means that it's going to be accessible knowing that the word public is such a small minor detail because that word public means a t- like a thousand other things inside of that language so it's it's kind of a misnomer people get really uh, you know people are really uh, kind of like i feel like sometimes compared to like oh why are programming languages english but it's just it's such a small thing i don't know that's just my true and, and, but i mean to be fair it still is fascinating yeah that you and someone Arguably, you and someone who, let's say, didn't speak a lick of English, there's a chance you two could code together. No. Maybe maybe not perfectly. <laughs> but what, what I'm trying to say is you could write code and give it to someone in, who speaks a totally different language and they would know exactly what's going on if they were a competent I still competent disagree film. with that. Really? 
Because I mean, again, I'm not a developer, so you got to help me bridge these yeah, gaps. The important thing is what is the variable called? If I, I mean, so imagine that you're looking at a program and you can't understand any of the symbols at all other than that you know something is accessible and something is inaccessible. And that's all you would know because something would be marked public mm. and something would be marked private. But everything after that is completely nonsense to you. That's what it would be. And we already do something like that called obfuscation where you take all the variable names and you write it over with gibberish. And that way people can't reverse engineer what you've written. And that'd be very close to the same thing. I could not read a Spanish programmer's program and had any idea what it would do. I could only just see they looped over something there. They returned that thing. They marked that thing accessible. I would have no idea what was going on because I can't read the variable. Okay, that's fascinating. That's Okay, I see your point more now that that is like <laughs> an overblown, like unbelievable factor. But nonetheless, Jeff, I mean, it's still, it's still interesting. It's still interesting. You yeah. can't say it's not interesting. No, it is interesting. I agree. What's your question? When, when you do ob- obfuscation, is how do you say obfuscation? That? Yeah. Does it does it do anything to digits, or are numerical digits left the same? Uh, digits are left the same. Yeah. Because like if like, I were to add ten to something, kind of a, it would still be add to ten. Numerical digits are kind of a good example of like the inevitability of a single language being pervasive. Because you know there were other types of digit systems. There was like Babylonian numerals, and there was Roman numerals, but they didn't really work well and everyone started using Arabic numerals. And that's how we got numbers like one through 10, because it makes sense to, to have that you be a little bit universal. So I, I was like, wondering if like they, they scrambled digits too. I feel like I'm being the most argumentative person in the world right now, but I still think that that is completely wrong because every Roman numerable. So if I have a Roman numeral and I know that those symbols in the end equal 10, and I know that the number 10 is equal to 10, like, you, you have a direct chart that you could write that would get you there. But, like, what we've seen through Google Translate is that there is no chart that gets you from language to the other. It still can produce gibberish because there's tenses and there's words that mean the same thing. And yeah. there's, there's your tone that you put into it. And it's so much more complex than a, what I would call a symbol system. That language, it's not symbols. It's so much crazier than that that it's just like impossible. So I would argue that yes, right now, I, I okay, I think that in the near future, and by that I mean the next decade, AI in the combination of language translators, we will get to a point where it's not the symbol-based thing. I think we will get to a point where language translators will be perfectly optimized to the point where even with tenses, even with you know, idioms and things like that, things will be able to be perfectly translated. So I'm, I agree with you right now, but I do think in the future, in the near future, we will see a world, and I, I was going to bring this up with the universal language thing, but I think a universal language will come artificially in a way through perfect translator because Google Translate's pretty good. I mean, not it's not good. It's not perfect. It's not great, but it's getting optimized so consistently. Yeah. And it's, it's just a enough. matter of time. It might right? not be perfect, but it can get the, the context across. Yes, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if w- deeply in our lifetimes, I mean, like, again, next decade, we can all travel to foreign countries, any foreign country, have our headphones in and have our phone out and be talking and someone will talk back and it will go right to my headphones and say exactly what they're saying and what they mean. Yeah, no, and I, I 100% I th- agree. 
mostly because right now we're digging into so much of machine learning and there's so much information for those things to chew on because we have all of these movies that have been translated into so many other languages and in those you get direct like tenses and you get mood and you get all this good stuff and i think if we just had like enough of that data to get like a bunch of machine learning stuff to chew on i bet you'll make such a good translator versus right now just us i don't know looking at words and knowing those words mean some other things and trying to guess at what they are based on the sentence i think it really needs like some kind of really interesting ai to actually figure that stuff out yeah, and I think AI technology is not that far off. So I was going to say, moving into this, I think it's interesting to talk about an artificial fixed uh, universal language. I don't think we're ever going to have... I think English is incredibly prominent throughout the world because it became... We call, like, I've heard this more than once, and it's not to sound... I Again, language can get a little racy, and I don't mean it to. English is the language of business, and that is just because... And they said it in the podcast... They said it in this episode of Freakonomics, but it's all because the UK just happened to go dominate half the fucking world <laughs> at one point. And they're like, you speak English or we're just going to toss you off the boat, right? And it, it, it's, it's, we're really lucky to be native English speakers. It's super convenient for it. But English is right now the language of business because the economic powerhouses of the world, for the most part, have incredibly competent English speakers, in them, right? Even the foreign countries, even China, the top business leaders are pretty, a lot of them are very competent English speakers. So English is becoming this universal language in a way for business. But I don't think that's going to be the end all be all. I do think a universal language will artificially come through perfect translation in AI. So it's you, just you the think the universal language won't actually be a new language? You think it'll just be technology taking over? Kind of like it is Correct. in um, sci-fi movies? Yeah, I, exactly. I agree. I don't, I, don't, I don't think we're ever going to press everyone in the world to learn English. I think at some point... Honestly, it could be a great thing for people who want to preserve language because at some point I genuinely believe we'll have little headphones that can do it on their own. All we have to have is like little AirPod or little headphones in when we go to a foreign country and people will be talking to us so fast and it'll be so fast. All we need is a a, a, a Wi-Fi connection or a, a data connection to, to reach Google Translate or Siri or whatever one you use. And it's the it's the babblefish. Yeah. Have you ever read the the Hitchhiker Guide books where they have the babblefish that just goes in your ear and yes, exactly. I mean that that's realistic at this point. Yes, yeah. exactly. It'll be like the babblefish. You just stick something in your ear. You'll be in any country. You'll be in India, and you'll be talking to someone. They will have their piece in. You'll have your piece in, and you'll be talking to each other. And you'll just hear. I bet you it could even get to a point where you can hear that person's voice saying english or saying hindi or you know it doesn't matter it, whatever language is i think we'll get to a point where it'll be an artificial language where we don't have to learn a new language we'll just automatically be able to talk to fluently perfectly with tenses with almost no error we'll be able to talk to each other perfectly you know what i think is finally going to drive mean, that is when so right now like english is the dominating business language i think once that finally changes like say some country let's let's say it's slovenia suddenly has a, a huge economic growth and goes through this crazy age of becoming like the new powerhouse and all of a sudden you have all these people that need to like speak a different language to do business i think we'll finally have they'll just push technology so hard and so fast to make something like that that we'll, we'll get there but right now where we've got this whole thing where you know, English is the business language and a lot of the other countries are just learning English and we're just kind of like waddling along and it's no big deal. 
I think it's going to take us a lot longer to get there. Okay, let me let me ask you this. How much I, I you know, you're you're a consumer so you're going to you're going to lowball it. But how much would you pay if I said, "Jeff, I have a ear set right now. You can go to any country in the world, pop one into your ear, pop one into someone else's ear and you two can talk to each other." No problem. It, I, I, I don't think it's going to be that easy. I think that you're going to need a really big technological drive to like push us there. And right now it's I'm not just there. Saying, on an individual level and on, think on a business level, on an economics level, I think companies would pay millions for that. Andrew, honestly, I think you're thinking too small. Why don't we shortcut this? Why don't we go right from the brainwaves of what the, the intent you're trying <laughs> to get across is and just beam those straight to the other person's skull? <laughs> See... Now we're playing 5D chess. This is what I'm talking about. Brainwave reading. Now, I just think it's naturally going to happen. And I agree with you. I do think there needs to be an incentive and a catalyst. But I don't think that's that far off. All right. So, Jeff, this, uh, how much would you pay for us to drill into your brain and, and slap in a brainwave reader? Well, so how much would you pay? I'd, I'd pay at least 20 grand for that. I, okay, I let me put it this way. If if I had, let's say, money's no object, the the feasibility of having a a way, let's say, it doesn't have to be what I was talking about, the earphone thing, a way to perfectly communicate with anyone in the world flawlessly, without having to know their native language. I would say per person, I think twenty grand's light. Are you kidding? I think both of you guys are kidding yourselves. How often in the last twenty years have you needed that piece of technology? Many times <laughs> that you'd yeah, be willing to pay twenty it, grand I, for it. You you ran into heard, so okay, many so situations where twenty grand was worth it for you being able to like ask directions to someone versus pulling out your phone and like pulling up Google Translate, which is free, and saying how do I get here and like showing it to him. You'd be willing to drop twenty grand. Okay, I'm not saying I'm gonna drop. Honestly, yes. I'm going to say I'm not. Hey, that I don't makes have more sense to, to you, but this, I, 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 would I would not drop 20 grand. I'm trying to buy a house. I don't need so badly <laughs> to talk to another human that I'm going to be like 20 grand in the hole so that I can not use this simple free taste of technology to talk. I don't, I don't know. The early adapters of this are going to be business purposes, right? Those are the people who are going to play, pay, play. They're going to play 20 grand. They're going to pay 20 grand per person to do this Definitely. i don't think it's that outlandish to ask the private sector and i mean even the public sector i mean think about the un for example mm -hmm. i the roi on having a universal language translator so you don't have to pay those experts who know a billion languages to translate for you i mean it would put a lot of linguists out of business but that's the cost of technology uh but i i just starting the private sector is where this would be commercialized initially because international business is a must for any any company at this point. I do think there's a really strong value there. And per person, like I said, I think 20 grand in the private sector is pretty light to be able to universally talk to anyone flawlessly in the See, world. And you keep saying ROI, and I, and I think that I is a gigantic I that would not give you the ROI. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think, but Jeff, we're I putting it on Google. Hard... They have tons of money. It's they so have internet hard. money. Google Translate is such a shitty the app. The upfront cost is ridiculous. Yeah. 
There's this whole video invest- series of this guy putting his uh his his directions for how to cook something into Google Translate and then trying to cook it, and it ends up with like him stirring cake batter with his elbows and like crushing eggs with his face ah. because that's what it tells him to do. Like Google Translate works very well for very simple things, but it's such a hard piece of technology that we'll get there. We'll definitely get there, but it is it's 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 hard. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying this is inevitable, and the first to market is going to make a lot of money off of it. I agree with you. I would honestly honestly sell my car and give you all the money in a bank account, which would still put me short of the 20 grand number, admittedly, but to be able to flawlessly speak any language. I I think that's a superpower. It is. I have tried so many years of my life and put more effort into learning Spanish than I have into engineering, for instance, and I'm still bad at it. Really (laughs) bad at it. I agree. And I, I, I recognize what you're saying, Jeff, like the person, aka, I'm going to say Google, because I say yeah. they have the best translator right now. They have to put a lot of money into this, but they're already shoveling absurd amounts of R&D into their AI technology, right? Yeah. And this is coming down to their AI technology, taking every single thing ever said into Google Translate, into Google Transcribe, and pissing it into their database. <laughs> Well, we're saying and all this. Eventually, go ahead. Skype has a live translate feature. You can turn on. Maybe you have to be a pro business or pro member or whatever. But there is a live translate option that you can turn on, and I think it makes like a second delay. But whatever they say, it goes through the little translator and then spits it out. And I say this to you guys, and I'd be maybe you heard of it, maybe you haven't, but it's obviously not very popular because it's just not very good yet. And I like, I definitely think we'll get there. I just think it's really shitty right now. And you know, yes. like you're saying, ten years maybe. I'd say ten years we probably have it. That's all, and that's that's all I'm saying. I'm not. Yeah. I'm saying today, yes, it's shit. But AI is an exponential curve. Yeah, yeah. So what accent would you want if yeah, you could talk in any accent? Dude, because, this is like, what I'm if, saying. If, if you're gonna map languages perfectly, you'd map accents perfectly, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Like, if you could absolutely. Speak in any accent. What accent would you want? See, I wouldn't choose an accent. I probably Australian, but that's not the point. But I, <laughs> I wouldn't choose. What you would, I ideally, what you hear, though, in my mind, what you hear is when you have your little headphone in or whatever, your brainwave drill bit in your face, whatever it is, when you hear someone talk, you will hear their voice in their, like, like how I'm talking now, you would hear how I talk, but in your native language. That's what I'm talking about. That's how advanced I think it could be in not a lot of time. Like, if you were in, uh, Hayden, where were you? you were in Chile, right? Doing. Yep. You would hear someone. You would hear the voices of them, but speaking English in their voice with the right inflections, the right tone. That's how advanced I think it could get. And maybe it, you could set it so I, you know, I want to hear it a certain way. You could hear. You could make everyone you hear have an Australian accent. You could make everyone you hear have an inflection of some sort. Like it could get that advanced, but it would still be their voice. But the technology could warp it or change it to a degree that it would just whoop. However you want to hear it, you'd hear it. And it'd be fast, too. I think it will be so fast. What's that current technology where you can um, take anybody else's face and put a different face on top of it? Oh, those like deep fake things. Deep fake. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be like it's kind of going to be like a deep fake, a live deep fake. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's it's not if it is totally when. Yeah. And again, I think right it now would it be win for large languages. I doubt there's ever a cost to do that for like 
Chicken Toy or like Navajo or. Oh, dude, those, like, I, I think it just comes with time. I think all that just comes with time. I Again, the, die. <laughs> the more things you piss at Google's AI, the more it's going to learn. Right. I think you would need the data for it. So you would need an equivalent yeah, amount yes. of Navajo to English or whatever. But yeah, I agree. And I think it's definitely the amount like of English data on that Chinese is going first. down at such a steady rate. Yeah, yeah but I think this actually could. And I, and I genuinely think some linguists would love this because it could save native languages. Because yeah, now I, I no they longer have to, have to dump my language to learn yeah. English. Okay, great. Well, this was a great conversation about language. I like how we dumped uh, the podcast essentially less than two minutes into talking about it. Per minute content, we probably talked about language more than Freakonomics for sure. But language is fascinating. And I really like to hear how pe what people's perspective on this thing, which is why I was immediately like, I want to hear what, pe what you guys think about a universal language. We didn't right. even talk about tenseless languages, which is like a factoid thing that I like a lot. I also okay, really wanted to talk about that. Let's talk about it next time we're way over time as always i always imagine these the i always imagine our podcast being a tight 60 minutes it's ne it never not Wait, once don't worry i'm gonna cut oh. out at the 30 minutes that i argued with you guys for no reason it's gonna no, be no, 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 no. i like that part conflict i tell you conflict is good uh, i yeah, listen jeff, back and i'm like guy damn too. jeff you're you, such I, I didn't an asshole <laughs> you can be a bad guy too oh god i didn't I, need the beard thing hayden's the only guy only good guy I have so much. Ah! I have so much head hair right now that it could be a. It could be a. It could go down to be. A... Yeah, man. I need a haircut bad. Yeah, I'm getting one Saturday. I've never been more excited. Well, anyway, we we yeah. need a. I, I when I was editing the last one, I realized we need a. We need a nice finishing touch, and I feel like Andrew is the best finishing touch guy. So can you uh can you leave us on a, like I don't know. Last time you said something that really ended it well. I couldn't tell you what you said, but it was a good round. Like an accident. Yeah. yeah. We need like, a, and that's why we like Freakonomics. Yes, exactly. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, geez, you're putting me on the spot, and that makes me very nervous because I don't want to end it on something stupid. Cut it there, Jeff. Cut it right I, there. Just have that perfect. be the last word. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking about doing. No, that's perfect. All right. That'll do. That'll do. Nice work, gentlemen.